Hello film lovers and welcome to another episode of the Films I Love Most podcast. Sit down, relax and whap out those cinematic snacks. It's time for the Films I Love Most podcast live. Hello, Keith. Hello, Ray J. How hey, are you? Hey, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I thought you were going to start with a Rishi then. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Big up yourself, Let's... Keith. Big up yourself, listeners. It's your boy, Ray J UK. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't suit you. It doesn't suit you at all. <laughs> I think I do a great Rishi. Do you know what? I'm not doing myself any favours here. Like most people, kind of end up calling me like they confuse me and Rishi as it is. So um, yes, so acting so, like yeah. him probably not a great idea. Hello, not guys, welcome. Idea. We finally made it. We are here for the UK's most controversial TV show ever. We have I'm really slightly excited. delayed. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. So we, acknowledgements to be made first. This was slightly delayed, but hopefully it'll be worth the wait because oh, yeah. this is. This is something that I have has lived rent-free in my head since October the 31st, 1992. And back then, I was eight years old. And do you know what? Like, at least to me, the fear that, that, uh, that about the program that we're going to talk about today has not dissipated at all. So hopefully, mm-hmm. it'll be worth the wait. Oh, it's definitely going to be worth the wait. And I have a very, very strong experience with this show also um i will literally just put it on the line now as a little uh, taster that i didn't um sleep uh with the light off for about two weeks after i saw this show okay you and me both so i will see to your not sleep uh, turn the lights off and i will raise you sleeping on my left hand left side so i could face the wall and not face the corner of my room because I was always afraid of who might be standing there, just like who was standing in the bedroom of the program we're about to talk about. Yeah. So, I, will, I, mean, I refuse to go downstairs. I will I raise you sleeping <laughs> facing the wall to having to sleep in your parents' bed for about three <laughs> nights. Do you know, like, I think, I'll tell you, the experiences that, that you and I are talking about, I think... Um, the listeners will soon realise actually fade into comparison based on some of the stories that in subsequent weeks after this mo- this program was released, uh, mm-hmm. you know some of the things that uh, the UK had to deal with as a nation because of this program 
yeah. Yes. I think we got away quite much. lucky. Yeah, we did. The nation pretty much had to deal with uh, post-traumatic stress after this program. Like a lot of people, you know, it was a very, very, very serious uh, event that led to to death for some people. Yeah. You I know, mean, look, we're going to go all into this, guys. We're going to go into this. A TV show that was meant to be a piece of entertainment led to two people's death. Yeah, and led that to we know multiple. Of multiple uh, mental health um, c- c- complaints of mental health issues. Uh, multiple people uh, became agoraphobic. They couldn't leave their homes. But um, just the fact, Keith, that you and I are sitting here this year, 2021, still discussing this. And I must say that, you know, it's talking about this so in the Instagram groups that, 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 that are behind the scenes in stereo causing quite a stir. Um, it just shows mm-hmm. how much of an impact this has had in society, right? In our culture. So there we Absolutely. go. So, do we reveal the title of this show that we are talking about? I'll, leave, I'll uh, let you do the honors. Okay. So let me. So I'll, okay, I'll reveal the title. Let me take everyone's minds back. And some of you may know this. And if you do know the program that we're talking about, then just let us know via claps. But for everyone else, Halloween of 1992, October 31st. Um, the BBC had talked about going broadcasting live from one of the UK's most haunted houses. And there was a big press campaign and you know, the newspapers talked about this house just somewhere, I, I believe it was outside of London, not entirely sure where, but and where there was this very lovely family, you know, this mother and her two daughters, um, single parent household. Um, they were living, um, not rich, average people. And these, this family was being tormented by, you know, a poltergeist, a ghost of some sort. And as we read about this in the papers in the run up to October 31st, I think most people did what most people would do and kind of didn't really bat an eyelid. Just one of those one of those stories, I guess. And then mm-hmm. came October 31st and we all turned on our TVs on the BBC, uh, credible channel uh, and watched a programme which starred a very, very credible uh, set of broadcasters. Michael Parkinson, mm. Sarah Green, mm-hmm. Craig Charles, and Sarah Green's husband, Mike Smith, who all at their time were very credible uh, broadcasters, right? So a huge Not actors. I think it's important to stress they were not actors. They were TV presenters. They you were know, TV presenters. That's, and, that's and, very important. And very serious ones. I mean... Like Craig Charles was an actor, but you know, uh, Michael, take Michael Parkinson, uh, hugely serious, hugely credible, uh, and le- definitely not an actor. And then the program began, and for the rest of the night, the entire nation witnessed the most bizarre paranormal activity live from this, this home, and the most traumatic series of events occurred. And this program, mm-hmm. of course, was Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch. Yeah, that was a great dun, introduction. Dun, dun. Uh, Thank you. Great introduction. Yes, yeah, so Ghost Watch um, was a British sort of reality horror, like pseudo documentary television film. It was for, it was broadcast as Ray J said on Halloween night on BBC One in 1992, and it was written by Stephen Volk. Now Stephen Volk. Um, 
didn't work much again after Ghostwatch, but did do a really interesting um, documentary series um, about Ghostwatch. They, there was a, a short documentary. I think I sent that to you to watch. You can watch it on YouTube. And also he's written for audio uh, ghost stories, such as the Hammer Horror section. So he's never really left that ghost story medium behind. And no. um, the drama was produced for the BBC um, for as a screen one, which was um, sort of a drama series, like a sort of anthology series. The screen one was like this sort of overarching title. And then every week they'd show a different drama. So it wasn't like the audience weren't used to the screen one format of, you know, a, a hard hit in drama. Um, mm. But what the mistake that I think um, they made with Ghostwatch was, A, they put it on Halloween night. Genius. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Genius. Oh, yeah. Second, secondly, they cast, like you said, renowned TV presenters that mm -hmm. were not known as actors. I mean, Sarah Green, for goodness sake, was presenting Going Live, a kids' TV morning show on Saturday mornings at this That's point. right. That's right. And, you know? Uh, and there was... A, I mean, you and I were kids watching this, and there, were, there was a whole nation of children who thought that one of their favourite TV presenters was going through the ordeal that no doubt we'll talk about in this live. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, um... And I think what, what else really added to it was that the BBC, when they commissioned Ghostwatch, commissioned it on the bravado that there were warnings mm -hmm. given to tell the people that this was a drama. This was not a documentary. This was not live. This was a drama. But the problem was that the warnings were given out in... Um, things like the Radio Times, because mm -hmm. we're in the Radio Times, it even had a cast list. It even had the ghost played by Bom 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 in the in the Radio Times. Um, but there was no blatant warning at the beginning of the show. They only said Screen One. Now I know that Screen One was quite um, you know a popular thing at that time. But if you were a casual viewer timing into this show on Halloween night knowing that it's about a haunted house and didn't know the screen one format, then you would probably be misled by the fact that you weren't told it was a drama from the beginning. And, and that opening monologue. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you, I was going to say, the, did, did you know it? The opening monologue? Yeah. Um, do, you do, don't you? I don't, but I, I was going to Google it if you, if you don't know it, because it's really worth listening to. So I'm hoping you know it. Um, oh God, this is something that I should have had up. Um, I'm going to Google it. You, you go. So, okay. um, tell us so, a little bit about like, how, you, how did you get to watch this? I mean, how old okay. were you at the time and what did you, what, how did you come to watch it? So I was maybe around eight or nine years old. Um, and I actually got to know about Ghostwatch like most people did. And following on from what you were saying, Keith. They talked about that this was a drama on the Radio Times and in very, very discreet sort of places. But just but most people found out about Ghostwatch because of viral sort of uh, person to person vi virality. People would pick up their phones and say, oh, my God, you need to watch what's going on BBC One. So bear in mind, most people like myself, I started watching because we received a phone call. Um, 
that you need to watch what's happening on BBC One. And we then did what I think most people did, picked up the phone and told other people about it. So this began uh, with just a fam- just me and my family sitting down watching, you know, halloween movies. And I think it's fair to say we probably shouldn't have been watching these sorts of uh, programmes as, as, as a child. But there we go. And from the very, very first scene, the camera opened to a scene of two girls in their bedroom, maybe about, I'm guessing, eight years old and 12 years old, there or thereabouts. Yeah. And it was, there was mm-hmm. a camera in the top, in the corner of their bedroom and was, was watching their room. And next thing you know, uh, there was a huge amount of banging and the whole room was sort of shaking. And that's how the program began. So they set the tone really, really well. Next thing, the, the scene mm-hmm. cuts to a studio where you see Michael Parkinson, you know, famed for his serious interviews with personalities. And in, that immediately gave everyone the impression that this, what is happening here, is very, very real. And then... Would you like me to do speech? Yes. Do you speech quickly? Okay. This is the dialogue <clears throat> that occurred just before the programme started. Now, look how cleverly it was written. The programme you're about to watch is a unique investigation into the supernatural, and it contains material which some viewers may find to be disturbing. No creaking gates, no gothic towers, no shutter windows, yet for the past 10 months, this house has been the focus of an astonishing barrage of supernatural activity. Um, This Halloween night, uh, so so welcome live this Halloween night to the first ever TV ghost walk. Now, that in itself, to, to hear a, a BBC, you know, and we're talking about the normal BBC voice that says, and now on BBC One, it's time for question time. That's the voice we're talking about. Did that kind of monologue intro, which also mm-hmm. captured a lot of people's attention. Now, Keith, what's interesting about that monologue is that they very, very cleverly did not say whilst they did say that it was fiction. They implied, right, that, they, that this wasn't necessarily real. But they didn't explicitly say it. So a lot of people would miss that completely. Uh, and well, yeah. The, well, the first three lines are this program you're about to watch is a unique live investigation of the supernatural. So there's nothing in that that says, and it contains material which some viewers may find to be disturbing. I mean, there's nothing. They're, they're obviously warning you that, you know, some of the things that you might see or hear in the show could disturb you. But there's nothing to say that this isn't real. So did they mention that it was a drama at any point? Um, did, did I miss nope. that? Okay. No, nope. so... nothing, nothing in this. Because this is, remember, this is the opening of the actual, um, this is Michael Parkinson's speech. This is the, uh, oh, you're, did you want me to find the opening of like the BBC announcer or was it the Michael Parkinson? No, so, so the BBC announcer is what you just read out. And I think that's what, uh, okay, so that's okay. not how I, so, okay, so in my mind, I thought they were a bit cleverer than that. But, um, but even then, I think mm. it's no surprise why the BBC to this day sort of refused to acknowledge this too loudly, the fact that this happened, because um, they, you know, they basically traumatised an entire nation. Now, maybe let's just talk about the after effects first, uh, and then we can talk about the programme itself. An entire generation of well, children... 
Go on. Yeah, I just want, I just want to drop this little hint in here quickly uh, before we start with the aftermath. So you have to remember that the title is also very clever because what we have in the UK, uh, for people from the States listening, this is a bit of information for you, but we have a show in this country called Crime Watch, which is about, you know, TV footage, real-life investigations going on about crime. So to call it Ghost Watch, it's almost like the um, the sort of the cousin to Crime Watch, you know, sort of that link there, which means trust to me. You know, when you're watching Crime yeah. Watch, you're having yeah. investigators, you're having presenters, you're having police officers come on and talk about crimes that have happened. You're seeing CCTV footage and investigations of these crimes. Well, to call them Ghost Watch and have a very similar format, to me, um, is another reason why I think so many people trusted this format and trusted the people involved because of that link to another show that is well um, respected. And, and, and it's real. It's based on facts. I think that's, that's very and true. real. They were subliminally telling, the, telling everyone that this is because just by virtue of the name, it's real. But um, we'll talk about the show and it'll be interesting to hear from, any, from the listeners what their experiences of Ghost Watch were. And if you have any questions about Ghost Watch, then do drop them in. But we're really talking about a program where the next morning um, there were a number of children who had PTSD. And this is diagnosed PTSD, although I'm pretty sure if I had, was taken to the doctor, I probably would also have had diagnosed, I would have been diagnosed with PTSD. We had elderly people who were too traumatised to leave their homes. And this is the impact that this program actually had. They had the BBC had the most amount. I don't know if you've got the number there, Keith, but the most amount of complaints they've ever had uh, in their in in their history, based on this program. And I think, really sadly, Keith, I'm sure you know, there was also somebody who um, died after watching this program. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the immediate aftermath. I mean, you know, they did it really well. They set up this whole thing. There was a phone number that you could call which actually sent you to a recorded message. Um, and yeah, the after effects were devastating. I mean, there was some, I mean someone committed suicide um, over this program. Do you know what I mean? It was that serious. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and tell I think me about it's you, important to, Well, I oh. think it's important to say, you know, these, these people that, that, that passed away and, um, you know, had the psychological effects of this is a very 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 real thing um yeah so i i don't want to like lessen anybody's like experiences and stuff by saying this in a way where it sounds fantastic but you know this is this is one of the biggest like events in tv history and no not many people know about it and the reason people don't know about it is because the bbc banned it for 10 years it couldn't mm-hmm. be broadcast on the TV. I mean, it's still banned from broadcast. It mm-hmm. cannot be broadcast, but they banned it from 10 years to get from getting any physical media release. Yeah. And then they, the, only reason they, the only reason they did release it on very, very limited edition was they, they realized that uh, thanks to the internet, people were sharing sort of recorded copies of it. So they released a, a very limited edition DVD, uh, which um, they also stopped. Uh, stop selling out. So it's very hard to get a hold of this, uh, sort of from official sources anyway. So Keith, um, tell me what you remember of 
how Ghostwatch kicked in? Well, actually, for me, Ghostwatch was a bit of a practical joke from my older brother. Because my older brother's like seven years older than me. So when Ghostwatch was broadcast in 92, I would have been in three nice years old. Okay. I would have been three years old. But uh, my brother, and this is this is like one of the things that I think is a, was a little bit of a virtue. My brother is paranormal, uh, ghost story, horror film, mad. And when this it. thing like was advertised on the TV, obviously there were trailers during the week about this was going to happen. My brother was like jumping around and um, we used to have a stack, like a massive stack of those Scotch VH- VHS tapes by the TV that were mm-hmm. blank. So like if there was anything that like anyone wanted to watch, we just used to shove a, a VHS tape in it, record it. And it was like if we were off doing something else. Do you know what I mean? That's like right, how our right. family worked. Um, and then my brother did it to Ghostwatch. Like he popped a VHS tape in and recorded it. And watched it all the time apparently. Like cause I've spoken to my brother about this. He was like, oh my God, I haven't thought about Ghostwatch for ages. So when I was about five years old, mm-hmm. I think um, I think my brother was maybe babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> great babysitter and oh, uh, sat me down and was like oh i want to i'm gonna watch this and i was like oh you know like five-year-old keith what's this um and it was ghost watch and i watched it and i Bloody never hell. got five years i old never got five years old, i never got past the bit where um they played the voice recording i freaked out apparently according to my brother i was screaming I was on my knees. I was like, my hands, like oh, my face was dear. in my hands. I was crying. I was sobbing. My brother had to take me upstairs. I wouldn't let him like be left on my own. My parents came home and said, what the fudge happened? <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he told them and they were like, obviously really angry with him. You but ruined Keith. Up... You ruined it. You ruined yeah, my baby. They broke me. I had to sleep in my parents' bed for two nights. Oh, do you know what? I can believe that. But let's let's put the let's put the voice the voice note that you're talking about uh, or the voicemail into context. So yeah, the set, just, the set just, up... um, yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out, guys. I do moderate voice notes, so if your voice notes aren't coming up, that's because um, we, I have to approve them, and I am approving them as I go along. So don't be discouraged if you leave a voice note and it doesn't show in the listeners. Um, it is there, I promise. But obviously, we're being very engaged at the moment, so. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, your voice messages will be heard. I promise. It Keith just it just gets rid power. of the um, it just gets rid of all the idiots, you know. Yeah. Okay. No babies in this show. Okay. So the setup of Ghostwatch. Let's start there. So there were three primary locations that Ghostwatch was based around. Of course, the the, the primary location was the house itself, and the setup was that uh, Craig Charles. Uh, also from uh, what's he famous for? Uh, he's famous for um, Red. Come on, you know Red Dwarf. Sci-fi. Red Dwarf. Thank you. Red Dwarf. Of Red, of Red Dwarf fame. And Sarah Green, mm-hmm. huge kids TV presenter, were basically talking to the camera. There's going to be cameramen going in outside the house with crowds, you know, from the neighbors, kind of waving to the camera. Um, and they were they're spending the entire night in this in this family's home. Then you have the studio. And the studio was set in the BBC, uh, BBC Centre, 
Uh, and it was split into two parts. You had one part with Michael Parkinson, who was running the show. And he would do his own, you know, his old parky style of interviews. He had special guests on experts, supernatural experts, history experts that he'd be interviewing. And the camera would pan between the house and, and Michael Parkinson. But then you also had on the side of the studio, the third area. And that was uh, run by Mike Smith, who also is Sarah Green's husband in real life. And he was manning a whole set of people. Well, he was uh, managing a whole set of people who were manning the phones. And the phone line uh, was open for the public to call him. And the, public and the, then, and the number was the number was 081-811-8181. Which is the exact which number, Which was actually... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is for going live. It was the number for going live, right? Which I, I don't know why. And live and kick in. I don't know why more people didn't realise that, but what was, int- <laughs> what was interesting there is part of the deal that the BBC did with the broadcaster, with the Broadcasting Commission was to, was to say that if they, they must play a message for anybody calling this number that says that this is just a drama, it's not real. However, Keith, what happened was they were so inundated with phone calls that the phone lines jammed. So nobody yeah. who phoned actually got to hear that message that this is fake, which only compounded the problem. So, Keith, what happened in Ghostwatch? What's the first thing that you remember? So um, the first thing that I remember really was getting to introduce to the family because um, obviously they chose Sarah Green, which was a very natural choice. Because obviously mm-hmm. the family were made up of three girls. There was no father involved. So it, it, was a, it was a good choice to have Sarah Green as sort of like um, like all girls together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how it felt. That's how it feels watching it now. It feels Really empathetic like, character as well. Yes. Yeah, I think if Craig Childs was the one in there, it would have been too jokey and uh, just mm-hmm. a, a little bit unbelievable. But Sarah Green really brought like an air of... Um, naturalism, but also sort of a comfort to the kids. Like the kids really liked her. She was a non-threatening force. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think if it was if it was a man in there and it was like the whole thing of pipes that we'll come to. Do you know what I mean? I think a man would have probably gone at it with a more aggressive sort of stance. Whereas mm-hmm. um, whereas Sarah Green was very like you said empathetic, very sort of level-headed. I would say she's really level-headed through the whole thing, which really like freaks me out because now I'd be like, I'll be like, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. Bye. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, and she she was she was also a very warm and loving like personality, right? Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. she 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 was definitely the right choice for this. Um, and then yeah, mm-hmm. go, sorry, go ahead. What else do you remember from the opening of Ghostwatch? So I remember as well. I mean, I, I watched this. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this show again and um the thing i really love about it is when sarah green's going around uh looking at all the technology that they've got that they're going to be using to film (laughs) inside the house i mean now it's like oh my god do you know what i mean it's ridiculous like (laughs) the technology is like ancient but obviously back then it was like top of the knot sort of stuff so um that's what I really remember. And what I really remember is, um, like, the, the thing that really hooked me, and I, I, I'm just going to say this, guys, okay? Watching it now, it is 
pretty unbelievable. I mean, the acting of the of the mother terrible. is like really starring. Yeah, terrible oh. actress. But what I will say is, I still found it really, really disturbing for reasons that we'll come to. But the thing I found that really hooked me, I was watching it going, oh, this is this is not as good as I remember it being. The thing that really got me mm-hmm. was the scene when you had the shot of the girl's bedroom mm-hmm. and the girl screaming. But then they go back to the studio and they take a phone call from a member of the public mm-hmm. who says that they see something else in that footage. Now, I was... Um, sitting there watching it going yeah 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 and then when that phone call came in i found myself edging closer to the screen and we like all really did. Looking, remember yeah but we remember i've that, seen yeah. this before mm. i've seen this before i'm an adult now but i still really got into like the idea that this was happening live and within five ten minutes i was proper in it do you know what i mean i was like oh, yeah. oh my god at one point, I had to get my fleece and put it around me. It was the point when you heard the, ge- the ghost speaking. That still, to this day, got me. The ghost speaking is one of the most traumatic memories. So one, they had this bit of equipment that could basically record f- frequencies that the human ear couldn't uh, hear. And uh, yeah, they managed to record the, the, the voice of this ghost. And I don't know if you would attempt to, to show the audience what it sounded like, Keith. Do you want to give it a go? Oh, my God. Like, I'll creep myself out. I'll, 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 I'll end up in the fetal position if I find it. <laughs> it, 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 it. Get out of my house. Sort of thing. Like get that. Out, get out of my house. Yeah, that's actually... That was yeah, yeah. Bang on. Uh, and it was... That the that you got to put yourself in the shoes of the of the audience. We were all thinking we're listening to the voice of a ghost. The other scene that uh, you talked about, Keith, about when uh, the opening scene was of the of the two girls in their bedroom, and then the studio gets a phone call from a member of the public that says they saw something in the corner. And when they showed that same scene again, I think as a nation we all crept forward to our TVs to try and see that figure in the corner of that bedroom right by the curtains mm-hmm. you know and what that... i will and what i will say is it was there but in the original scene and this is a very clever trick but in yep. the original original scene it wasn't agreed so, in the yeah. original scene it wasn't it was only after we got the phone call from the audience member to say that they thought they'd seen something and then we went back to that footage and there was a ghost there but originally there wasn't, which I thought was really good because it messed with our heads. Yeah, it you know really I mean? did. It messed with our heads. And I think that you've got to also keep in mind, this is before the days where we could rewind live TV. So like, there was no way of us checking. Now, the other sound that really sticks in my mind to this day was a sound of at least what the family thought were cats. Do you remember the sounds of the cats that would occur in the background? People were talking, so yeah. they'd hear cats. And then yeah. the studio well, we, received yeah. a phone call from a, somebody who knew the owner of, the, of this house and said mm-hmm. that these aren't cats. These are, in fact, babies. And I, that just took on a completely yeah. different, different yeah. angle then. Um, yeah. 
I don't. I don't want to give away too many spoilers because I do. I, I'm, I'm, we're getting a lot of messages, and we'll, we'll start listening to your messages in a moment, guys. We're getting a lot of messages from people saying they haven't seen it, but they're going to go and watch it after after a, we finish this podcast. Okay. So, um, that, good to know. Good, good to know. Yeah, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers away about the actual plot, but what I will say to you, you will start watching Ghost Watch and think, okay, this is a little bit dated. This is a little bit ridiculous. But without giving anything away, by the end, when you find out what is actually happening, it is horrific. Horrific. I agree. Right. So, horrific. How did so, the BBC approve this? <laughs> well, do you, well, do you know? Do you know? Like, I, I wonder that to this day, and I'm sure there's many big rigs at the BBC who also wonder the same. So, let us know your memories of Ghostwatch, please. We do have some messages coming through. Do, should we go through a couple now? Absolutely. Hope London is up first. Let's go. Hello. Good evening, Keith. Good evening, Ray J. Really, really excited to listen in tonight and actually a little bit scared. Um, <laughs> I remember this night very clearly. Um, it's one of the most prominent memories, actually, um, when I was young. I was about 12. Yeah, when this, when I watched this, I remember it. And my sister was about 11. And earlier on t- this evening, I actually asked her about it. And her face just dropped. And she said she was really, really quite traumatised after watching this. Now, I must have blocked the memory because she said I used to tease her about it even for years after. She was about 15 when she kind of got over it. Um, But yeah, I had friends over that night. It's such a clear memory. And they were panicking and stressing. I was okay-ish because I kept telling myself it's not real. Until that last image when the camera swung round and then the possession, the possessions of the... Oh, yeah. That's yeah. It. So we've got to be careful with spoilers here, but uh, there is one... But it's okay, it's scene. okay. There's that one particular scene where, um, as far as we were concerned, for the very first time in television history, a ghost was captured on live TV. And I think that's the moment. If if anyone hadn't screamed up until that point, they certainly screamed when that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember that? Case? And not only that, it would be the first time in history that they that a, TV, a BBC TV presenter was dead. <laughs> it would be the first you know? time in history that a BBC TV presenter was was dead. That that is also very very true. But uh, <laughs> do do you remember what? So let's let's let's. Pause for a second. The the ghost was called. Do you remember what the ghost was called? The ghost was called Pipes. It was called Pipes, right? And why was mm-hmm. it called Pipes? It was called Pipes because the uh, the young girls uh, who lived in the house um, basically it rattled the pipe. You know, it made noises through the pipes, and that's why they ended up calling him him that because. It was like the cupboard under the stairs was mm. supposedly where pipes live. And um, very early on, this isn't a spoiler, but very, very early on, the mum the um, tells a story of going into that cupboard under the stairs and feeling like there was something in there, like breathing on her neck, you know. Mm. So um, and that's where a lot of the pipes were located. So, yeah, that's where he gets his um, his nickname. From, from the two girls pipes so, yeah so the huge noise that would, that would frequent the entire program and we'd hear this would be of basically like almost like 
well, quite literally pipes, right? So they're like banging mm-hmm. on pipes. So the mother yeah. would tell would tell the girls, "Don't worry, don't worry, kids. Don't worry. It's just the pipes. It's just the pipes." And it's gradually, pipe. yeah, that became its pipes, um, which is which is a really kind of a, you can sort of see how that would happen in 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 a if this was real in a real world setting. Um, and then 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 there was also the image that Hope was talking about, which I think is burnt into everyone's minds. Do you remember? Oh, sorry. Do you remember what pipes looked like? You know, like in my mind, pipes look so different to what he actually looked like in the program. I had built up pipes so much to be this hideously disfigured, like sort of blob with its eye missing and scars and everything. That's how I remember him being in my head. When I say that, it wasn't, I just need to add this in. It wasn't until I was about 12, 13 mm-hmm. that I was brave enough to go back and rewatch Ghost Watch. And um, we still had the VHS uh, tape. So that's how I watched the whole thing. Because so I felt like I needed to face my fear. And plus, I'd just been to see, um, or I'd just seen, maybe my brother had it on, on video. I'd just seen the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So in and that, that in my head, yeah, sort of triggered a memory of this show. And I was like, oh, to my brother, oh, what was that show called? Oh, it was Ghostwatch. Have we still got it? And then I watched it because, you know, I was getting into like my horror phase at that point and I'd watch Blair Witch Project. Um, so, yeah, and it I, it really scared me then at like 12, 13, really scared me. Like, I was literally frozen with fear um, in my bed after watching it. I remember that. But um, the actual like physical manifestation manifestation of pipes mm. um when i watched it again a couple of weeks ago in my head was this huge like scary disfigured nasty like ghost thing wasn't as bad as i remember it being but still mm. really scary and really the thing that ghost watch does so well is that they use him so sparingly I think you only see him three mm-hmm. times. And this is this is where things get really interesting, you see. So the that glimpse that everyone sees that Hope, Hope was referring to actually resulted in very, very many different manifestations of pipes. Because the two mm-hmm. th- the two things that people had were that one glimpse and also a description that was read out I think a number of times in the studio about what pipes looked like. He was described as um, uh, a man wearing a buttoned-up jacket, right, a black jacket, all the way to the top. He was bored, and he had dark eyes or even no eyes, and he was disfigured. So that almost mm-hmm. set a bit of a, an image in people's minds even before they glimpsed um, Pipes. And then when they finally glimpsed him, they kind of blended the two together. And that's why there's a huge amount of amazing, amazing fan art about what people think pipes looks like and uh, those of you who follow me on instagram um will will have seen me post uh an ad to this show where there's one particular image which um which i use as an advert for this particular show which is exactly how i imagine pipes now for about good a good six months after ghostwatch i would imagine that character and this is for those of you who've not seen the advert think uncle fester from the Adams family, just more disfigured, <laughs> skinnier, yeah. and no 
eyes, like no eyes, right? That's the image that I had in my head with a buttoned up sort of jacket all the way to the top. I would imagine that character in the corner of my bedroom. Uh, and it, was, it, would, it, would te- it would terrify me every single night. So, um, but there's mm-hmm. so much more artwork out there. But that one particular scene, I think made everyone, everyone jump. Yeah, and I just want to say here, this, this drama was broadcast six years before the Blair Witch Project. Now, Blair Witch Project blew like the, uh, you know, the camp, like the handheld found footage sort of genre wide open. Um, But at the time, nothing, nothing had been done about like this before. Now, except once before. And I think this Mm -hmm. is really interesting that we talk about this, but it wasn't on the television. It was Mm -hmm. done on the radio and it was Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Right. Um, Orson Welles adapted War of the Worlds for the radio, but decided to do it as a news broadcast. So he wrote it as a drama that performed it as a news broadcast and it created like mass hysteria, mass hysteria. It was um, people were like leaving their houses, grabbing their kids running off you know like running off into the night people were terrified by this it was like it was unheard of you mm. know it was like the public reaction was crazy it um you, I'm, I'm, yeah go on yeah no that's absolutely absolutely true and i think the one of the reasons why the public was so engrossed in this wasn't just what they were seeing but it's how cleverly the entire program took the viewers on a journey so whilst mm-hmm. the experts and the paranormal investigators were discovering things about the house, so were we. So, for example, the audience were hugely invested, or at least, uh, you know, the, the Jay family was, my family was hugely invested in the fact that we were watching a, a real haunting happening on TV. And then there came a point where they showed the little girl banging on, on the pipes, which suddenly... Was, was a huge anticlimax for the entire nation. And we all thought, oh, shit, what a waste. The BBC went into a haunted house. That's just been proved that they were faking it all along. So they took us on this, like, roller coaster of, like, believing and then not believing and then believing again until the climax where they went under the stairs. Keith, what do you remember about the climax? Well, it's really clever, isn't it? Because mm. not giving too much away, basically they had a hope within a hope. That's what mm-hmm. it was. So you were invested in all of this sort of, um, you know, the bended, the bended forks and, you know, people saying that they'd seen the ghost in the background of, of photos and shots. And then you had the, the, the anticlimax of um, the kid basically, um, like, doing the whole thing. She was the one banging on the pipe. She was doing the, the voice of the ghost. And you were thought you thought, oh well, that's you know, that's explained everything. But then, obviously, the final act kicked in, and mm. which is the most horrific part of the whole thing. I'm not going to give any spoilers away there. But mm-hmm. it's clever. It's brilliant writing. Stephen Volk is a very, very clever writer. And um, I just want to say very, very quickly about like the how he came up with um, with Ghost Watch as a, a sort of, you know, 
concept i mean ghost watch was arisen originally going to be a six-part drama mm-hmm. in which a, a fictional paranormal investigator and a tv reporter investigate poltergeist activity in a north london housing estate gradually discover discovering more elements to the mystery each week and it would have uh, culminated in uh, the final episode which would have been a live tv broadcast from the property so it would have been a drama right up to the last episode where which would have been the live but then again mm-hmm. that wouldn't have had the power because you would have followed five weeks previously you would have followed the characters and you would have known that it was a drama before it was the live investigation still very clever still a mm-hmm. really like way of of twisting the genres but um it would not it would not have caused obviously any um of the issues that it did but then yeah, um, no, the produ- yeah the producer um doubted the viability of like the entire miniseries and recommended instead a 90 minute tv special which um volk suggested they do the whole thing like episode six portraying the actual live broadcast uh fronted by well-known tv presenters which they did which I think was a, was a very clever move for two reasons. One was I think if they had had um, a number of episodes leading up to the big show on the, the big live show, it would have caused a lot of discussion amongst the public. And there'd be half the public who wouldn't be convinced of this before they started watching the live show. And the second reason why I think this, that would have been a bad idea is one of the things that made Ghostwatch so incredibly special was a surprise factor of it. You've got to remember that yeah. not everyone knew about Ghostwatch. People were just tuning in uh, into a BBC program to relax after a long day, right? That's what they were doing. And that's when they were hit with this, um, this incredibly shocking, shocking drama. So yeah. shall we take another message there, Keith? Yeah, let's hit one. I'll hit it now. You know, it's quite interesting uh, hearing your guys' reaction from this thing, because I watched this uh, movie or show or whatever you want to call it, TV special, uh, a few years back and was unaware that it was like this thing that had actually fucked up quite a people, uh, quite a few people in the UK. So uh, I learned all this after the fact, and it is quite interesting. Um... I think this might carry on, this message. Go on. The The program you're about to watch is a unique live investigation of the supernatural. It contains material which some viewers may find to be disturbing. No creaking gates, no gothic towers, no shutter windows. Yet for the past 10 months, this house has been the focus of an astonishing barrage of supernatural activity. Thank you, Untraced. Okay, so the, so the monologue was actually the beginning of the programme. Now, Untraced, if you can, can you find the, the, the monologue or the intro to Ghostwatch that was done by uh, the BBC man just before Ghostwatch was actually started to get broadcast? So just that little intro, because that's, that was, uh, I think that's when I was talking about, Keith, where it's a really clever, cleverly worded way of introducing the program that kind of says it's a drama but kind of says that it's not so i'm trace if you can find that that'd be really appreciated yeah absolutely i mean that just sent shivers down my spine did it you yeah absolutely and just just you know talk about what uh was it was it tony who, uh, who left a message just before um 
about fucking up an entire nation. It did fuck up an entire nation. I mean, like, for many years, and even to this day, Keith, I would say that um, no horror movie has scared me. Right? I've lost that. I, I feel like I've lost that sensation of, you know, fear from a horror movie, right? I don't have that anymore. And I attribute that purely to Ghostwatch because I feel like I've broken my fear bone in my brain, so to speak. Like, nothing, nothing is ever going to terrify me as much as this program did. Uh, and I think I completely watch- agree with you. Yeah, I think when you experience something so scary and so disturbing at a young age, like nothing can compare to it. I mean, even the Blair Witch Project for me was tame compared to watching Ghostwatch at five years old. Like it was the scariest thing. Um, and adults, yeah, as well. so- we, we we were kids, but I can I can safely say that. Um, I mean, this was talked about in the playgrounds. It was talked about. In the workplace, there were adult, grown-up people who were traumatized by this as well. And I remember Ray J, it was it was talked about in Parliament. It was talked about. Yes, tell us more, Keith. So basically, um, so many um, complaints were made about the show. Over thirty thousand complaints in the hour that the show took place. So that's that's unheard of. It's still the most complained about. Uh, TV show in the history of the UK. More than any of that Big Brother stuff, anything like that, 30,000 complaints in an hour. It got, it It basically, it was also one of the reasons why the phone lines were all blocked at the BBC, because people were calling up and complaining and they were worried about the um, about the TV presenters, who they obviously knew and loved. They were scared for Sarah Green. They were concerned mm. for Michael Parkinson. Um so, yeah, when it um, was aired and, you know, the full sort of um, picture was seen of how traumatised and how sort of scared people really were, mm. it, the BBC needed to be have a stern talking to. They needed oh, to yeah. be sort of have, you know, they needed to have the riot act read to them, basically. Um, so they did. And they got... You know, it was in Parliament and they got, uh, you know, really, really told off by it. Yeah. The uh, the broadcasting, um, the Broadcasting Standards Commission um, was a huge part in this as well. They were they were really, really angry. I mean, um, at the BBC. It's surprising they managed to get away with this in the first place. So, geese. I mean, it's it's at, at some point you would have thought and you've got to keep in mind that this is. Like this is this is before the day that there was like you know BBC Three and like BBC News and all these other B. We just had BBC One and BBC Two, right? That's all we had. And it was before right? the internet. You have to remember that as well. It was yeah. before the internet. So the only way that people could have found out that this was a drama was a in the Radio Times, which was really popular uh, back then, and mm-hmm. it was billed as a drama. It had drama and the cast list. It like I said before, it even had who the ghost was played by in it, for God's yeah. sake. And then um, Green One was a very renowned segment on the BBC about mm-hmm. a, a, a weekly drama, and it was a Screen One. If you look at the the opening, um, like just before the show starts, instead of the usual BBC One logo, it says Screen One. Screen One. So That's, that's very true. Yeah. A, a tuned-in audience member would have known that this was a drama. But people tuning in 
five minutes into it, ten minutes into it, mm-hmm. wouldn't know that unless they've and, read it in the Radio Times. And I'd also say that I think most viewers, just like today, back then was the same. Then they, they weren't necessarily tuned in to you know who the production company was or what the slots were. They were just regular viewers who didn't really pay much attention to this stuff. But you know what disappoints me, Keith? Like they can never ever do a Ghost Watch type program ever again. Ghost Watch had took that one chance. They did it incredibly well, and I don't see this ever happening again. What do you reckon? No, and um, I will tell you this brilliantly. If you go, um, I think it was the year before last. Um, Inside Number Nine, the the comedy drama series, oh, yes. uh, did their very own take on Ghost Watch, which I thought was really good obviously everyone knew that it was a, a take on ghost watch so therefore no one took it as seriously as they did with ghost watch but it was really good and it was like their version of it and it was really really clever and really sort of picked apart why people thought that ghost watch was real and it is like it's a it's a turning point in history because and it came at the right time. That's the thing. If it was done like a couple of years later when the internet started to sort of wouldn't become work. big, it wouldn't have had the impact. No, exactly. But this was before all that. So I just want to read quickly some of, of the controversy stuff behind it. So um, although Ghostwatch did air under the Screen One banner, its documentary style led many viewers to believe the events were real, causing much controversy after the show's airing. The BBC was besieged by 30,000 phone calls from irate and frightened viewers, and the British tabloids and other newspapers criticised the BBC the next day for the the disturbing nature of some of the scenes, which, as Green's final scene... um, I'm not going to read that bit because, you know, we don't want to know. We don't Um, know. We we thought she might might be dead. I'll just say that. But um, Sarah Green advertised the programme on her Saturday morning kids show going live. Um, including that, that's insane, a, isn't it? That's insane. Including that. a visit. Yeah, including a visit to the location of the haunting and gave the impression that she was taking part in a reality show. Just insane. I mean, like, let's not forget, this was a, I believe it was a Friday night and she was due to go on air live for going live the very next morning. So every child watching and going live was the thing to watch back in the day. Every child watched going live on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, and those of you... But Green, age, well... did, Green did say um, on the following Mondays after the broadcast of Ghostwatch, on the following Monday, she did um, reassure younger viewers that the of show course. was not real. <laughs> she had, she had but to of course reassure. it's not. She's alive. Well, she had to. <laughs> like, but then we all did think, or a lot of us thought, um, that she was actually dead, right? Or she was at least trapped somewhere, right? We weren't going to details. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it's no surprise that they had to open the next going live show with Sarah Green reassuring people that she is okay. And I'm bloody glad she did because I, I thought, well, again, I won't say what I thought. I might give away too much, but there we go. Yeah. Um, let's hit a message and then I want to go into um, the psychological effects of Ghostwatch on the nation. Because people might think that we're being dramatic uh, oh, yeah. say, talking about this, but we're not, guys. We have receipts and I'm going to deliver those receipts to you 
uh, right after this message. Also, to anybody listening, interested in checking this thing out, it is available on the streaming service Shudder. Uh, I highly suggest it. It's a very fun, uh, cozy little show. Um, oh. But yeah, holy shit. I was not aware that Crime Watch was a thing, so that kind of adds a whole other layer uh, to it. Damn, they got, these guys really got the UK good, didn't they? They really did get the UK good. And I think... Um, like Cozy... Cozy fun drama. I, Cozy. Know, I think, I, think I, I, I see where Tony's going with this. When you watch it now, I think it's really hard to sort of, uh, and, and do watch it. It's worth watching, if for no other reason than it, it's television history. But when you do watch it, it's maybe really hard to imagine why there was such a reaction to this program. But that's because you have the benefit of um, being in the modern day, so to speak. So when you do watch it, watch it like, Put yourself in the position of an average family who have three TV channels. That's it. No internet. And, um, you know, I, I very rarely get live TV programs. When a live TV program comes on, like, you know, like families would say to each other, oh, my God, look, it's live TV. You know, that was the days that we were talking about. So do watch it. And when you do, make sure you put yourself into, into that uh, mindset. Um, yeah, the only, he- things, the only things that were live in those days were... Um, the news, morning TV, like Good Morning Britain that we've got now, but it was got GMTV or something in those days. Um, mm-hmm. Then you've got the kids' live TV shows on a Saturday morning and Crime Watch. They were the right. only things that were live. I mean, it was a huge innovation, right, for live TV to, to occur mm. like that. Um, but psychological, psychological uh, impact, mm. Keith, Um I, so I mentioned yeah. my, the psychological impacts that I had. I know that there were a number of kids out there who uh, had to get taken to the doctors and were subsequently, subsequently diagnosed with PTSD. What else yeah. happened? Right. So there were a number, number of psychological effects um, were reported in the wake of Ghostwatch. And Tony, I hope you're listening. So I, I, <laughs> I hope that you don't call it a cosy fun drama after you've heard this, my friend. So um, in all seriousness, seriousness, though, uh, an 18-year-old factory worker named Martin Denham, um, Mm. who suffered from learning disabilities and had the the mental age of a 13-year-old, died uh, by suicide five days after the programme aired. Uh, The family home had suffered with a faulty central heating system, which had caused the pipes to knock. And Denham linked this to the activity in the show... Uh, causing great worry uh he left a suicide note reading um if there are ghosts i will be with you always as a ghost and his um his mother and stepfather april and percy denham blamed the bbc and they claimed that martin was hypnotized and obsessed by the program and the british broadcasting standards commission refused their complaints along with 34 others as being outside their remit, but the High Court granted the Denham's permission for um, for a review uh, requiring the B um, the British uh, Standards Commission uh, to hear their complaint. So, yep. um, in this ruling, really yeah, in this ruling, the B um, the British Standards Commission stated that the BBC had a duty to do more than simply hint at the deception. It was practicing on the audience in uh, in the audience in Ghostwatch. There was a deliberate attempt 
um, to cultivate a sense of menace. They ruled that the program was excessively distressing and graphic, referring to the scratches on the children and the reference to mutilated animals, and that it had aired too soon after the 9pm watershed. They further stated that the presence in the program of presenters familiar from children's programs took some parents off guard in deciding whether their children could continue to view. Wow. That's the report. Do you know, um, yeah, you know, all of that is so hashtag relatable. And I think like, so the, the, the young fellow who, who killed himself from this uh, because he mm-hmm. was so fixated by this is, I don't think uh, due to his, sort of his, him being mentally challenged, I think most people were. And I think at least my house definitely had, and a lot, lot of houses back then when I think about um, the old central heating systems, God, I feel really fucking old. But anywho, like the old central <laughs> heating systems, they really yeah. did. They really did kind of uh, rattle a hell of a lot. Um, and Keith, whilst you, mm. was, you were reading that out, I've actually found the voice of pipes. Is that okay. something that you would want to hear? And by show of claps, should I play the voice of pipes? Do we play the ghost um, voice from Ghostwatch? If Do we, we play get a the... single clap? <laughs> we'll play it. <laughs> yeah. So um, can, okay. I, can sure. I just say? Can I just go just one more with this last bit? So the film's producers argued that Ghostwatch had aired during a drama slot, uh, that it was recognisable as fiction to the vast majority, and that running disclaimers and other announcements during the program would have ruined its effectiveness. Um, they also stated that um, that had they anticipated the audience's reaction, they would have made its fictional nature clearer. However, the, um, the British Standards Commission ruling was that all they had to do was issue an apology. So I don't buy that personally. Like... So whilst I accept that it would ruin its effectiveness, I re- I don't agree with the fact that most of the people thought it was fiction. Most of the people definitely mm-hmm. thought this was real, and that's what they were going for. Mm. Um, so like they are the BBC, mm. they they would have known how to make this impactful in telling people that that this was uh, drama. But I think they were, they were very. But I will about say it. though, I do think that if they had con- continued to state during the program that this is fiction like having a like a like a sort of thing come up every now and again at the bottom of the screen this is not real this is fiction that would have ruined it that really would mm. have ruined it but you have to remember that the I, I know that the phone got jammed i know the phones got jammed and that's like the bbc's fault but their intention was to have a recorded message for anyone that called that number to tell them that the program was a drama and was fictional but the only problem was that got buggered up by the amount of people calling in. And I don't think yeah. the BBC anticipated that. And I think that was that was where they failed. They didn't anticipate um, the the reaction from the audience. And I this don't definitely was bigger than that. that. And, you know, this was definitely bigger than the BBC could have ever, ever imagined. Um, so, yeah, yeah we will give them the benefit of doubt on, on that on that part. But um Okay, here we go. We've got a lot of claps, just to let you know, for the ghost voice. 
Okay, so I'm going to so shit my pants. So look, so let, let me let me explain the context behind the voice that you're about about to hear. So this was a device that was set up, and it was one of those old school kind of um, you know those two reels where where the tape kind of goes from one reel to the other. I forgot what you call them, but you know the old school kind of. Uh, recording devices and what mm-hmm. what just happened here was a chair had flung across the room and there was multiple lamps and things that had just um for been thrown off uh their the tables where wherever they were and then one of the little girls becomes possessed or she looks like she's possessed and then it, it occurs to the mother who is known as mrs pascoe that she's possessed and then Mrs. Pascoe attempts to make or attempts to communicate with the ghost that is possessing her child. Are you ready to hear oh. what this ghost has to say, Keith? God, just rip the plaster off. Go on. Okay, here we go. And what I'll do, I'll play it. And then I'll, if, if, if you need to know what they said, I'll tell you what they said as well. Here we go. Grant. If you can grunt, can you speak? Does that ring bells for you, Keith? Yeah. Picture, mm. picture five-year-old Keith literally losing his shit. And the image to imagine here was a little girl who is mouthing these words, and the, that is a voice that's coming out of her. And could you hear what was being said, Keith? Um, very vaguely. I know, so, but I, I can't really. So, Do you want to inform us? So Pipes was singing round and round the garden like a teddy bear, one step, mm. two step, tickle under there. And then yeah. he claimed he was Jesus Christ and then claimed that all good children go to heaven. So this was, we subsequently found, find out that, uh, and I t- correct me if I'm wrong, but did he have an obsession with, this, he was a psychiatric patient, wasn't he, before he died? This Pipes character. I don't, I don't want to give too much away. But, okay, um... but we, we do learn that he had... That his, that, that the, the, the Pipes in, in the flesh before he died had a very interesting past. But that yes. voice... We do find I out think, about it. I think that voice is one that uh, is definitely burnt into my memory. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, I shit myself. Just saying, <laughs> I remember it. I remember it so Absolute clearly. I literally head. stood up, screamed, fell on the floor. <laughs> my my head was in my hands. I was sobbing. I was crying. My brother did not know what to do. Like he was like, "Oh my god!" Like we said earlier, I've broken my brother. Like he thought he'd broken me. <laughs> and when my parents came home, I just remember my dad like carrying me upstairs and my like head being on my dad's shoulder, and I was just sobbing and crying. 
Now, I have to put this into some perspective. Like my nephew, Robin, is five years old now. There is no way on God's earth I would show him this. Like, what was my brother thinking? Your brother's an evil one, I tell you. (laughs) Yeah, Um, absolutely. Shall we get a message? Oh, let's hit a message. And then I want to just go back into a little bit of the psychological effect um, from the show. Because there's a a little bit that I want to talk about um, that was in the British uh, Medical Journal. Wow, it reached the BMJ. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I, uh, um, I'll hit it. Here we go. Only thing I gotta say is I've never heard of this before, and is there anywhere that I can watch it? Because I would love to watch it. Oh yeah, I think um, didn't we say um, Shudder? I think someone suggested, and I think it is on YouTube. I think you can watch it on YouTube. I think you watch it on YouTube. Um, I think uh, yeah, I've just typed in um, Ghost Watch into YouTube, and it, it is there. So um, there you go, guys. You can watch Ghost Watch, Ghost Watch BBC into YouTube, and you can watch it there. But what I will say is, um, just remember of like, when this was this when mm-hmm. was this was broadcast. Try and transport yourself back to that point. And also, like I would say, don't watch it like at night. It is right, now. Let's see it, the like, Oh, hello, hello, sorry, Michael. Hello. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, yeah, it is still very affecting. Just to let you know, it is. You might not think you okay. might not think at the beginning, but when you get to the end and you turn it off and you go, "Oh, well, that was the Ghost Watch," it will be under your skin for a couple of days. And to Hope specifically, I'm sending her a picture of the image that uh, is burnt into her mind. Anybody else who wants to see it, drop me a follow on Instagram and drop Keith a follow too, Keith. Um, That'd be nice. I'd like that. Tell us, right? Tell us more about the psychological challenges that occurred. Um, Simons and Stiliera published a report in the British Medical Journal in February 1994 describing two cases of ghost watch induced post traumatic stress disorder in children, both 10 year old boys. How old mm-hmm. were you, Ray J? I was about eight. There, there about. Yeah, so see, this is around your um, around mm-hmm. your age group. Uh, they stated that there, um, there were, they were the first reported cases of post-traumatic stress caused by a television program. Responses to the article described a further four cases of children aged between eleven and fourteen, as well as one case in an eight-year-old. That mm-hmm. stemmed from watching a pre pre watershed um, um, episode of Casualties. The Casualty was another program that they said had caused um, issues within children. Uh, the respondents also noted the potential for similar reactions in elderly people. However, the mm-hmm. conclusion of the article states the rapid resolution of the children's symptoms suggests that the children su- suffered a brief anxiety re- reaction. To the, te- to the television program, although they may have exhibited some of the features of post-traumatic stress disorder, the diagnosis of their cases um, is un- inappropriate. So they're saying that um, it showed signs of post-traumatic stress, um, but they couldn't have been 100% sure whether it did actually cause that, whether it was the TV show that caused it or anything that happened subsequent to it. 
But uh, which is interesting, is that, Yeah, but interesting that the that the the British Medical Journal even carried out a study about it because of the rea- because of the um, like reactions that it had. Well, this is it. I mean, look, this was also at a time when there was just this new, this whole kind of belief system that movies are ruining our kids. What we see on TV is ruining our children. There's this huge mass hysteria about this. So this this program fed into that beautifully. Now, I will say that most people that I know and my sample size is limited to just the social circle of eight-year-old Ray J. We all recovered from this, right? I mean, it was huge at the time, but we did recover from recover from this. Uh, so, would you agree, Keith, that there were no long term effects of this of this uh, program? What on me? Yeah, there were long term effects. Of course, there were. Hundred percent. I mean, wow. long term effects, not necessarily of the negative. I became obsessed with this genre because of Ghost Watch. The so, long term effects may not be a negative. For me, Ghostwatch was what really started my obsession and love for the horror genre. Like, I couldn't get enough of it. In fact, I feel like that my love for the genre and me watching pretty much everything from, from horror to ghost stories to thrillers actually is an internal sort of striving for me to try and find something that beats the fear factor me of too. Ghostwatch. Right? This is and exactly I haven't it. found it yet. And I haven't so, found it yet. I agree fully. So I always say, right, that I'm always looking for something that's going to scare me more than Ghostwatch did, right? And I, I haven't found it. Um, so that's, that's really interesting to know that Ghostwatch made you the person that you are. Very interesting. Indeed. Yes. Yeah, it, it caused, it, it ignited something in me of um that fear of being quite young that was it was quite traumatic you know sleeping with the light on for a week sleeping in my parents bed for two days you Mm. know it was it was a very short-term traumatic experience but remember when you experience something like that in your development years it really does stay with you and therefore it can either be that you become a very nervous person who doesn't like horror doesn't like being scared doesn't being like being made to, to you know to jump you know when someone jumps out at you right um but for me it had the effect of that i liked that feeling mm-hmm. in some way of being scared and safe it's you thrilling. know i was it's a thrilling feeling yeah so i think that that has actually um and, and i know like people might think yeah right whatever but I do think that um, I do think that Ghostwatch was what lit that flame in me of uh, of enjoying ghost stories, the paranormal, horror movies, and anything like that. It really was fully, the start of my journey into that genre. I would I would fully agree uh, that that I am hugely interested in the horror genre, but not from an academic point of view or a fan point of view. I'm really interested in the fear of that horror movies elicit within me, but I'm th- th- Ghostwatch is the reason why I'm gen- genuinely disappointed or generally disappointed. Um, has has there ever been a horror movie Keith that's come close to Ghostwatch? What's the I closest? Think, um, the closest film that's ever come ever come close to scare me like that. 
I mean, there's been like experiences in films where I've been like had a, an intense emotion of mm-hmm. fear. I would say the Blair Witch Project. I mean, I would dare anyone to watch the Blair Witch Project with headphones on or earphones. Because the thing that is really scary about the Blair Witch Project, which is also what is really scary about Ghostwatch, is mm-hmm. it's not necessarily what you're seeing, it's what you're hearing. Agreed. The sound Absolutely. is brilliant. Yeah. This so is, I and think that... Blair Witch... Yeah, I think that... Um, I used to share a room with my younger brother, mm. and whenever I used to watch TV or a film, I used to have to wear headphones so that I didn't disturb him. And I watched the Blair Witch Project. hadn't hadn't seen it for a couple of years, but I had seen it a couple of times. But watching it with headphones was a different experience altogether. To the point where I was literally frozen to the spot. And the other film, actually, the other film that brought me to that point of 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 fear, not as much as Ghost Watch. I don't think anything can beat Ghost Watch. I really, honestly, don't. But the mm-hmm. other thing that brought me to that sort of state of fear was the original uh, Japanese ring. Very interesting. See, like, mm. that, like for me, then you'll see a trend in this. The, 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 the movies that came closest were Paranormal Activity and also, the, I think it's the first Conjuring, all of which are haunted house movies. And I think the one thing that Ghostwatch left in me, which is, which is what I'm constantly looking for in a horror movie, is less so about what you're seeing, more so about the atmosphere that is kept throughout the entire film. And those are the movies, like The Conjuring and Paranormal Activity, that most closely resemble that fear that I'm, I'm constantly trying to find, that like Ghostwatch once elicited within me. So haunted house movies for me absolutely do it. Now, Keith, yeah. I've, al- I've also mm-hmm. sent you a picture on WhatsApp. So when you get a chance, have a look at that. I have seen see- it. Terrifying. Okay. Terrifying. So, um, yeah. as, you, as you mentioned, there are various instances in the movie where you get to see pipes. Um, and that is one of them. And I think that's the one that, if anyone's seen it, you know exactly the one that I'm talking about. Anyone who's seen Ghostwatch will know exactly what, screen- what image I've just sent Keith. Um, and... Hopefully those of you mm-hmm. who haven't, when you do see the movie, you'll know exactly what I said to Keith just now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and obviously we haven't been given the plot away. We want you guys to go and watch Ghostwatch um, after we finish this podcast. Go and watch it. It is definitely, definitely worth it. We've spoken about uh, the controversy. We've talked about the plot. We've spoken about the psychological effects. I think it's good if we talk now about the legacy of Ghostwatch. We've talked a bit about horror movies and the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Now, the makers of the Blair Witch Project were reported to have seen the film before going on to make uh, the Blair Witch Project when they were hunting around for sort of found footage horror that they could use for inspiration. Ghostwatch mm-hmm. was one of the films that they watched, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. And, um, I... th- yeah, go on. No, I was going to say, um, so I, I can see how this particular, oh, the Ghost Watch, watching Ghost Watch can result in the thinking of um, the, 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 the hidden, was it the, the found footage genre? But again, it's, it's one of these things that uh, Ghost Watch has kind of created that genre of its own that no one can ever now, uh, no movie can join the genre 
because it's kind of that one time it's been done and that's it. So um, it's interesting to see how this, because the legacy we will talk about is what's been done so far. But I also think in the next 10, 20 years, we're going to see a lot more that gets, that, that has its origins within Ghostwatch. Yeah, I do. And like I said, Ghostwatch can never be replicated because no. obviously um, it's impossible. You know, you can't scare a nation twice. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. There's no, there's going to be no shame on us. Hundo P. It's oh, yeah. just not, you know, possible. But um, yeah, I think that Ghostwatch has had a huge uh, legacy. I think that... Uh, the thing I love about it, and it's about other TV shows, for another like TV show, for example, like um, things that people have grown up with, like Doctor Who, for example. Doctor Who ignites the creativity in mm-hmm. younger people watching the show, and then they go on and become like the showrunners, like uh, Stephen Moffat, who was showrunner for Doctor Who, was a huge Doctor Who fan when he was a kid. So it's almost like that continues. Whereas I think a lot of people that really fell in love with Ghostwatch and were really inspired by it have gone on to be creative in that uh, genre themselves. I know a lot of people um, that have gone on to write sort of uh, ghost fiction uh, mm-hmm. quotes, um, Ghostwatch as being, um, you know, up there. Matt, Matt Winoninsky, I don't know if I've got his name perfectly right, um, writes a series of books um he writes them as podcasts so when you're reading the book it sounds like it looks like you're reading the script to a podcast but they're ultimately about uh murders and the paranormal and mm. and i've read all of his books i think they're amazing if anyone um, wants to read a really good sort of supernatural thriller go and read those books because they're really well done or amazing. go and buy the audio books off of audible because obviously it's done like a podcast so it sounds awesome um but has its roots in that sort of, you know, drama, docudrama sort of way. And it even spills into other genres as well. I mean, look at things like The Office. You know, Mm. if you were completely clueless about who any of those people were in The Office, if you went back 30 years and showed someone who did not know anything about the office um the british office i'm talking about and showed them Mm. the very first episode i guarantee you they would believe that this was a documentary so are you so would you say that ghostwatch in a sense kick-started the mockumentary genre yeah i do wow that's that's really interesting because it's true that there there was no such thing as a mockumentary before ghostwatch so it's very possible Really interesting. But you have to remember, there was, there was, um, this is not the first time that the BBC have, have tricked people either. Um, mm. This is really mm. interesting. So in 1957, okay, on April Fool's Day, um, there was a news report on Panorama mm-hmm. <laughs> about um, the spaghetti tree hoax. So, <laughs> so basically, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah people they they put spaghetti like cooked spaghetti in trees and they did this whole thing about people in switzerland going around and picking the um <laughs> the spaghetti off the trees and put them in putting it in a basket <laughs> and that's where you get spaghetti from and people believed it oh yeah <laughs> people thought 
that people were harvesting spaghetti from trees. That's amazing. So, That's amazing. Yeah, and it was like a reputable, you know, news establishment. It was Panorama on the BBC, you know, that were doing this. So they have tricked us before, you know. They and, have. Um, so I, I can't say that Ghostwatch was the first time that something like this created the docudrama because that three-minute news report is classic. Mm. You know, you watch that and you think that's interesting. So I would say the Spaghetti Tree hoax was probably the start of it. And then obviously War of the Worlds was up there as well. But I think that Ghostwatch really kick-started the... Um, the 21st century, even though it was a 20th century program, I think that the people that then grew up, like who watched Ghostwatch as a kid and then grew up in the 21st century, then went on to start making dramas and writing uh, stuff in that genre. And I think that that's where it all started. So there's also, talk about sort of the impact it's had in the industry. Um, they did a study at, uh, I think it was Leeds University in the media department, where there's there's been at least one student who's always wanted to do a project on Ghostwatch every year since 1992. And I'm sure the same can be said for other uni- media, media departments at universities across the UK. So it's definitely, I do think it's a matter of time before we do find something that that's... Uh, uh, that that's a new take on Ghostwatch that will fool us again, but certainly not as we established in a genre like this. Um, it's also interesting, though, Keith, that the BBC have never tried to fool us since um, in any other way, or have they? No, I don't think you could. I think that the I think people are very clued up in that way. I think that if mm. there was anything that were done, it wouldn't be in this genre. They would no, probably try and trick be. us in a way. No, they'd probably try and trick us in a different genre, in a different way, like as a joke, maybe on April Fool's Day. But to actually go full on horror like they did with Ghostwatch, there's just no way people could fall for it again. It was a one off. And Stephen Volk, for me, who wrote Ghostwatch, is a frigging genius. He just is. So what else did he do? He did it. Um. Didn't work much for the BBC after Ghostwatch, surprisingly enough. <laughs> <laughs> so um, his other work, well, he's, he's written lots of novels and short stories. So he's become more of a writer of, um, in novel form uh, over the last year. So he's got um, quite a long list of novels that he's written. Did Ghostwatch. He did um, a couple of series. Um, Afterlife was a series that he did. Uh, which I remember, actually. It was like a mystery drama. Uh, That was... um, I don't think that was done. That was ITV, and it ran for two seasons. It was called Afterlife. Starred uh, Andrew Lincoln of uh, Walking Dead fame and Leslie Uh Sharp. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, that was in 2005, 2006. But that looks like it's... That's the, um, the only time that he's ever come back to writing um, sort of for television interesting so i know so that he did it? so i was gonna say i know that he did a really um good installment of the audio series the hammer horror um like horror horror stories for audio which um which i really enjoyed uh which he did one of those which was great really good i'm i'm gonna have to look up more of his work i've never really explored mm-hmm. any work but then i guess when you do something like ghost watch 
doesn't everything else kind of fade into comparison? Uh, but I'm definitely going to look up more of his work. For those of you who are interested, and I don't know if you've seen this, Keith, he's also done a great TED Talk where he talks about Ghostwatch from his perspective and the impact it had on Ooh. him as a person. So if you haven't seen that, then um, definitely check that out. Um, so that's Never music. seen that. I'm going to definitely yeah. going to watch that. Um, just, um, I, th- I think we've, we've, um, I think we've got pretty much all the information out there that we were saying, oh, but I yes. just wanted to say that there is a really good, um, documentary that I think you can watch on YouTube as well. It's called Ghost Watch Behind the Curtains. Um, there's a lot of really interesting interviews with the cast, excuse the motorbike going past. Mm-hmm. Um, it also <laughs> talks about things like, um, Dar- uh, Darren Brown, the British illusionist. Uh, once said that he um, that the that Ghostwatch had inspired uh, his controversial TV hoax seance, which is where he tried to do it again. You know, Dar- Darren Brown actually, you know, uh, yes, um, he came close. Didn't has he? tried to do it. Yeah, he's tried to do it a few times. Um, yeah. They tried to do a seance. Do you remember where they tried to call up uh, Michael Jackson? That's and right. Apparently, so, um, Derek Ahura got in touch with Michael Jackson, and Michael Jackson was going. Um, yeah, I'm up here with my manager, and I can't remember what his manager's name was. <laughs> and Derek Aurora was like, "Yeah," and he's talking Quincy Jones. He's talking to Quincy Jones, and then one of the women next to him went, "Yeah, but Quincy Jones is still alive." <laughs> <laughs> so I think oh. that completely and utterly, um, completely and utterly, uh, you know, threw that completely. That <laughs> Derek Aurora thought that he was talking to uh, a dead guy who was actually alive. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm about to blow your mind a little bit, Ray J, and on, uh, listeners out there. Did you know? And if you did know, try and act shocked, Ray J. Did you know <laughs> that there is a sequel to Ghostwatch? How could there be a sequel to Ghostwatch? Tell me more. Are you ready? Oh, Are you yeah. ready? The sequel is called Thirty One Ten. And it's featured in Dark Corners. A screenwriter, Stephen Volk, wrote a short story entitled 3110, which is effectively a sequel to Ghostwatch. The piece uh, was later selected uh, for the year's Best Fantasy and Horror 2007 and a Bram Stoker Award in 2006. The story itself centres on Volk taking part in a fictitious 10 10th anniversary edition of Ghostwatch in 2002, venturing into the previously sealed off BBC studio space where the original show took place. He is that accompanied by a small amazing. amazing. Yeah, he is a, he's accompanied by a small team of individuals whose lives were somehow affected by the broadcast 10 years previously. Uh, a free PDF file of 3310 can be found on Stephen Volk's official website. So let me get this straight. So, so he goes back to the studio, the same studio, and which has uh, been sealed off. Which has been sealed no, off. Just, okay. Yeah. So Stephen Volk take uh, himself on the tenth anniversary of Ghostwatch ventures into the previously sealed off BBC studio space where the original show took place. And he's accompanied by a small team of individuals whose lives were somehow affected by the broadcast 10 years previously. That's I all it says absolutely here. absolutely watching this tonight. And I think just for context sake, uh, yeah. for those of you wondering why the studio, you'll need to watch Ghost Watch to understand the relevance of why 
Stephen Folk went back to the studio for the sequel. But do you know what? I, I've, I had no idea it was a sequel, and that's exactly what I'll be watching tonight. Thank you for that. Yeah, so it's actually um, in in written form. So I think it's a novel or a short story. Yeah. So you can't watch it, but it is. You can. Um, you can. Oh, see. Uh, yeah, yeah, go. yeah. Download the PDF. It's a short story, so you can download the PDF file, which is available free on his um, website. Steve, on his uh, website, stephenvolk.net. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go on there, apparently you can find it, and. Yeah, download that, and if you've watched Ghost Watch, um, yeah, have a go, have a I'm, have a, uh, a read of that. I'm absolutely going to read that. That's great. Should we hit these messages? What do you reckon? Yeah, I have think you guys so. heard Here of that go. theory? Because um, I've noticed I haven't seen the show yet. I'm going to watch it off YouTube later. Um, but you you do notice that with a lot of these poltergeist stories, they do tend to start around the, the 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 spirit or whatever it is does tend to manifest around the time that one of the girls is usually beginning to menstruate um have you heard about the idea and the theory that actually um that beginning um can cause some kind of sort of like psychic energy that can help that can sort of like manifest certain uh i don't know how to describe this like phenomena that mm. are attributed to sort of like the supernatural uh, ghostly things. And uh, what do you think about that? I don't really know where you guys stand on sort of hauntings in general. So just wondering. They do. They deal with this quite heavily in Ghostwatch. They do. And it's to Shrubs' point, it's very true that a lot of movies that centre around uh, someone being possessed or possessions or poltergeists often have girls. Um, who are of an age, I guess. Uh, and so th- there's definitely some link between the two. I don't know enough about why that is, but there's certainly a link. And I think that's very, very well noticed, Chops. I think we must say as well, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't talk about this at the beginning. It was my intention to. So I do apologise, guys. But you also have to remember that only about 20 years later, Mm. The UK was gripped by a real poltergeist case in Enfield. So, you know, the Enfield poltergeist or the Enfield haunting is, um, you know, very renowned. Um, If you go back and look at uh, newspaper articles, uh, the Enfield poltergeist was pretty much on the front page of the newspapers for like a couple of weeks where two girls who were of age, um, you know, of, you know, maybe coming on their first period, mm-hmm. um, you know, were sort of, you know, experiencing pretty much a lot of the experiences that the girls in Ghostwatch were. were. And I think that that's the, the sort of inspiration that Stephen Volk took uh, to do Ghostwatch was from the Enfield poltergeist, having two girls, two sisters that were involved um of of that age i think that that's where the seed germinated for him because like i said it was only like 20 years previously that the uk was gripped by this story and uh, so gripped I mean, by it that even yeah. hollywood have recently uh done their version of the enfield poltergeist with uh, the conjuring 2 um, yep. the enfield poltergeist so and then the enfield haunting which is a drama series uh on sky 
which dealt with it as well. There's, um, you know, the a, a lot of information about the Enfield poltergeist on there. So, um, so I would say, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't um, subscribe to the theory that ghosts are people that are dead and that have come back to haunt us. That's not what I believe a ghost is. I believe a ghost is when someone dies in an horrific way, mm -hmm. in a way um, which is um, traumatizing. I believe that we are, we are built up so much of energy. Think how much energy is pumping through our bodies all the time to pump our blood, to pump our hearts and our muscles, you know, it, the combustion of our, of our, bodies you know when we mm -hmm. die that where does that energy go and mm -hmm. i think that if that energy is released in such a quick sharp violent way it scars the world and that's what i believe a ghost a presence have you ever walked into a room no one said anything like no one's like said a thing but you walk into a room and you can feel that there's a bad atmosphere well keith it's funny you say that because um, I've been feeling it through this whole podcast. <laughs> well, it's, it's, well, no, actually, not at all. But so I think one of the reasons why, as a family, we took such an interest in Ghostwatch when it came on uh, was um, we had just moved to Buckinghamshire. And the reason we had just moved fairly recently to Buckinghamshire was uh, we lived in a, um, a house not very long. Uh, we didn't last very long in the house in the Midlands, in the West Midlands. Um, and the reason we had to leave that house was um, it was haunted. And it was haunted, uh, you know, the, the Enfield poltergeist was a big story. Um, it, the media were very, very kind of, uh, you know, they were on alert for any similar stories. So we had a number of paranormal investigators who lived with us for a period of time. And then uh, mm -hmm. gradually things got pretty bad or, or pretty bad where we were living. And then one night there was a, a series of events which uh, basically led to my father moving us the very next day to London, taking a pit stop in Buckinghamshire to visit some family friends who happened to have a house on rent here. So it's, so the story of when I lived in a haunted house um, is also the story of how I, how as a family we moved to Buckinghamshire. So to answer your question, yes, I've, I've definitely had that feeling. Uh, I definitely think that there are, I don't know what they are. I think you know, um, I've heard of ghosts and spirits and I've heard of jinns in the, in the more Arabic culture. Um, there's, mm -hmm. there's many, many different theories as to what these could be, but uh, who knows? Who knows? There's definitely yeah. a negative energy though and you can feel it. You can feel it. Yeah, ghosts to me are the scars of the world, you know. It's mm. it's the energy left behind by I mean this is my opinion. And it you know, and um that comforts me a little bit, you know, in a way that you know, ghosts aren't malevolent, you know, they're always there, you know, always trying to possess you know, the story mm -hmm. about ghosts, the usual haunting is that a ghost is a person that didn't want to die and therefore has come back to wreak havoc on the living. But, mm -hmm. you know, nobody got time for that. Anybody no got time for that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, shall we hit another ditty? Let's do it. Now on BBC One, Screen One presents an unusual and sometimes disturbing film marking Halloween. Over the centuries, there have been countless reports of ghosts and ghouls, but the line between fact and fiction has always been unclear.
Using the modern idiom of the outside broadcast, Michael Parkinson, Sarah Green, Mike Smith, and Craig Charles star in Ghostwatch. Now, do you? So that was the broadcast. That was a, the BBC man. Thank you very much. Sorry. That was great. Thank you, Untraced. Yeah, so he dropped me a yeah. WhatsApp to say he's, he's, he's sent that through. So that was a broadcast. That was an intro that the BBC man did just before Ghostwatch was broadcast. Now, did you see how cleverly they didn't actually say it was a drama? They just said how the, 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 how the boundaries get blurred and using the modern idioms. I mean, they, they kind of alluded to the fact that this was drama. They had a chance to make this very clear. That this was fiction if that was what their intention was but clearly their intention wasn't to do that does uh michael parkinson sarah green that that to me lends to it being more more of a drama i know that uh, you know i know that not everybody you know was privy to that but mm-hmm. yeah i can see what you mean i can see what you mean that was really interesting actually to hear that again i mean god where did you find that <laughs> Well, but I'll tell you what's interesting is that you don't often get to hear the BBC man saying anything other than, and now for the news. Right. I mean, that's kind of what you. And yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Uh, Or after the break. You know, these are the things that you hear the BBC man say. So when we heard the BBC man say something other than what we're used to him saying, we knew there was something special that was going to be on TV. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Little did you know. But all these yeah. years later, you'd still be traumatised. <laughs> Talking about it on stereo. There you go. Talking about it on stereo. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for that. That was really interesting. Thank you for finding that for us. I Thank hope you, it wasn't too much of an issue. Right. I would just like to say hello to Mr. Keith Andrews and Mr. Ray J. I hope you're both well today and keeping safe, of course, and having a mitzvah of a day, of course. Uh, Love thanks, you, Melvin. Melvin. Love Melvin, one of my favourite personalities on stereo. If you don't follow Melvin, you must follow Melvin. So funny. Brilliant. Keith, what's up, boo? How you doing? How's everything? Ray J, UK, how's it going? Just stopping through to say what's up. Keith is my boo that I haven't seen in forever, (laughs) but I love you. And yeah, yeah, I'm just sitting there for a little bit till I get home. Keith is everyone's boo. You got to share Keith. He's everyone's boo. Coach Keith will catch up very soon. Very soon. I know you've been very, very busy. Uh, She's um, (laughs) a wonderful, wonderful police officer in the in uh, in uh, the United States. So love you, love you, darling. Uh, We'll speak very soon. Okay, let's uh, hit this last ditty, guys. Let's do it. Uh, thank you so much. We've had some really good messages in tonight as well. It's been really interesting to hear what you, uh, your experiences. Hope London. I hope we haven't brought back too many bad memories for you. And it hope was London. interesting to hear one of our cousins from the States saying that they'd seen Ghostwatch, but didn't yeah. know the full impact that it had, had over here in the UK. That was really interesting to hear that. So thank you so in- much. What's interesting is that like, I've, whilst talking to you i was just googling bits and pieces about ghostwatch and there's internet forums that are still active to this day from an international audience about ghostwatch so clearly it's had a much bigger impact than even i thought it did so yeah because it lives with you it lives under your skin like i was saying you know ghostwatch for many of us was viewed during our development years and that is it's in our dna it's like a lot of tv shows you know it's like things from certain movie franchises for me like they are in my DNA, but Ghostwatch lives even deeper and darker than that for me. Agreed, agreed. It was it was the flame 
the the lit the dark side of of my personality like when it so, comes to watching things like horror movies and reading ghost stories the the bit that lit the dark side of my personality is that what you said the flame oh, right. that lit the, the flame dark side of my personality the flame that lit the dark side of your per- very poetic i love it it's so true thanks babe here we go yo keith <laughs> Big Not seen you in a while, bro. Hope you're good. Hope you're good too, Ray J. I'm back Yo. on after a, a long hiatus. Yeah. Hope you're both doing all right. Jeez, I thought you were dead, Big Worse. <laughs> Haven't seen nice. you in, in a long time. Hope you're well, my friend. Nice to see you, Big Worse. I don't think we've ever spoken, but uh, I've dropped you a follow. Oh, he's, he's, uh, change that. he's an oldie, he is. He, he's, uh, he's back in the veteran. He's back in the He's a back in the day area, he is, but he does great shows with uh, the Connor Show. So, yeah, tune into those; they're hilarious. I right. look forward to it. Well, um, I think that's. I think we've covered every inch of, of Ghost Watch. Thank you so much, uh, Ray J, for um, organising and and bringing up this uh, talk. Because I tell you what, it, it, it's been amazing. It's really um, ignited again, like my interest in not only ghost watch but this genre but thinking about it letting it percolate over the last sort of couple of weeks um really has made me think about the effect that this program had on me and i think that having sort of talking talked about it it's a bit like lethargic isn't it to be able to talk about something that caused you so much trauma but then that trauma turned to uh the love and creativity absolutely and look thank you very much for doing this with me i think what's interesting about this particular live is it came about just between a chat that you and i were having and it kind mm. of this topic grew organically when we just realized holy shit this is something that impacted us hugely back in the day and mm-hmm. also like you like i think we talked about this as much as we could without giving away too much which is often a, no. a challenging thing to do but for those of you like who who were listening who are listening, I do encourage you to have a look, have a, to watch this. Um, I think a lot of what we talked about will make so much more sense when you do watch it, but make sure you watch it with, in that same mindset. And Keith, I think you're right. I think um, looking back at this with a sense of huge excitement, I think, like, I mean, I was really looking forward to this live and um, it was, it's, been, it's been great talking, talking about this, but it's true. That fear has turned from something that was, you know, hugely negative when I was growing up, right? To something that is just, you know, it's it's positive. So mm-hmm. I love, I love, yeah. I loved Ghost Watch then, uh, and I love Ghost Watch now for a whole different set of reasons. Absolutely. Listen, guys, um, if you're interested, get onto YouTube, type in Ghost Watch BBC, watch it. You'll have a great time. Uh, I would, I would definitely agree with what. Ray J said, watch it with uh, rose-tinted glasses um, that you're back in 1992 on Halloween night at 9pm and settle down with a cup of tea and watch it. And I can guarantee With the lights you, off. Make sure the lights, with the lights off. off. Well. Yeah. And I can guarantee you, you will not be the same afterwards. Some, even if it's a 0, 0, 0, 0, 0. 0.1 change in how you see um uh, TV, where how you see uh, the ghost story being told, mm-hmm. how you see uh, the use of 
um, of docudrama, how it can be used in different um, mediums, not just i.e. in comedy like The Office. I guarantee you it would change your perception on uh, on TV f- forever. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more and I promoted just as much. And I think, Keith, all that's left to say is a huge thank you to you, a huge thank you to the listeners. And you never know, we may come back with more horror-based uh, lives. Oh, we reckon. definitely will, because I thoroughly enjoyed this. So we'll, we too. will be back. I'm just going to go and uh, tweet Sarah Green just to make sure she's okay. <laughs> let, let her know <laughs> we're all asking. So. Yeah, I will. And on that Thanks note, very we'll much, mate. Speak to you soon. Take care, guys. Take care, Keith. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Don't forget, you can contact us at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com or on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we look forward to welcoming you back next time here on the Films I Love Most podcast.